I'm Oki. And I'm Caddy, and this is Books, Cats, and Snacks. Hopefully sounding better. <laughs> I don't know what happened that last time. It just sounded really muffled. Our um, microphone was really messed really up. Really messed up. So we're back, guys, and hopefully this is a whole lot better than what you're I hope used so. to. So <laughs> yeah, bear with us, guys. Bear with us. So this is our book discussion. Mm-hmm. We picked a classic this time. Actually, Caddy picked a it classic. It was my this turn time. to pick the classic, and I did sure pick a book. <laughs> yeah. I did not I knew the the story behind the book, the general and idea, of the general the idea of it, but man, it's it's a beast. It right. really is. Whew. But before we get into "In Cold Blood" by Truman Capote, I want to talk a little bit about our virtual book club on Facebook, and the discussion for this book. We're actually doing a Facebook Live. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if anyone will join us, but I hope you guys do. <laughs> I hope you guys do. Just um, you know, just get up on there, ask us questions or right. anything that. You come comes Make to mind. Comments. Yeah, this is our first time where we're, we're going to do a Facebook Live, so hopefully it works out well. You're not too scared about how my hair looks at that time of night. <laughs> <laughs> or you can just tell us your cat stories through the comments through if the you comments. want. <laughs> yeah, give me your cat stories, guys. I love me a good cat story. Anyway, but let's start with your cat story for <laughs> this time. Um, yeah, it's it's a smaller cat story. So typically, cats like to lay in heat cats like warm like warm laundry really with all the fur too they love it and i've always known this because of oreo oreo loves sun she loves like warm things sitting on top of the dryer especially but she loves to sunbathe and there's one particular part right next to our patio in front of the blinds she loves to lay in that spot and she lays like she's a 50 year old woman getting a tan on the beach just (laughs) just basking in the sunbathing you just need to get her that silver that little silver paper yeah oh if i could cardboard thing yeah i would just just baking. And Krios is actually a creature of completely different... I don't know what's going on with Krios. So in our room, we have a fan. Like, we have a ceiling fan, but because it's been so damn hot, we got, like, a stand-up fan. And it's at the end of the... Like, to, at the corner of the room. So she sits at the end of our bed uh-huh. on the blanket, basking, but with the fan hitting her right in the face. Just... <laughs> and it's so cute because you can see her little whiskers, Aww. like, blowing back. And she's just like, <sighs> Arctic. <laughs> so I'm just like you two are just I cannot spoiled. ask for more well yes they're spoiled as hell but I couldn't ask for two polar opposite of personalities with these cats guys it's funny I have to get a picture of her because it's so funny like that the side by side of them basking in their sunlight in the fan <laughs> it's 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 really cute <laughs> so that's my cat story nothing too crazy just a little something I've noticed I'm like Really? And I'm just like, and I'm over here having to get up and go to work because I work hard so they can have a better life. And they're just chilling in my house. My brother has two dogs and he'll send me pictures of the dogs kind of similar to what you're telling me. Uh And I call them bum butts, Uh you know, and I'm like spoiled, spoiled. And Mm -hmm. he works at a bakery. So they always get like leftover croissant (laughs) or baguette and he'll send me pictures of that. Mm -hmm. And I'm just like spoiled, Mm -hmm. spoiled little ones. Mm -hmm. Well, they're not little. They're they're pretty big. Big dogs. King Arthur. (laughs) (laughs) That was a cute story though. Your brother's a beautiful soul with his dogs for sure. (laughs) Well, thank you. Yeah. Nothing to do with me though, because oh. I I didn't get any of that. No, you're not much of a pet person, nor Which, a plant person. Nor a pla- oh, nor a plant person. Poor plant. I'm just a food person, <laughs> pretty much. And which is nothing wrong with that, you know. Just, Thanks. That's how you are. You just don't. I mean, your clothes are going to be lint and, f- and fur free. That's well. The- now that we have a dog, though. So oh yeah, Nugget. His hair is everywhere. Yeah, Nugget like rubbed up on my belly today, so I'm going to go home, and my cats are going to be like. 
I'm going to have some explaining to do with Oreo. Yep. She's not going to be happy. So, Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we're going to move on and talk about In Cold Blood by mm-hmm. Truman Capote. I think we should talk about the author himself a little bit. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. he's a very popular guy. With Truman Capote, he's such a figure, literary figure as well, just... It, yeah, just, from way back when, though. From way back when, yeah. It, it's We're going to need a whole, like, series if we really want to break down Truman Capote like we... Like, you should, but... Well, we can't do it this episode. Yeah, we can't. Not this episode. Because we uh, really want to get into the meat and the potatoes of the book. So. Right. So, I think the new generation or whatnot, they're at least going to recognize the movie Breakfast at Tiffany's. Mm-hmm. It's an older movie with Audrey Hepburn, but they probably recognize... That's that iconic that, picture. That's right. one of his books, yeah. A lot of people don't know he was the author of Breakfast at Tiffany's. Mm-hmm. And, of course, he's the author of In Cold Blood. He has a few other books, too. Oh, yeah. But he's just such a literary figure in a way that he was famous around the time where I'm guess I'm going to say that's when influencers started like your Andy Warhol, Andy Warhol era type. That's when people are kind of emulating these people. What's the fashion model in the sixties? What's her name? Are you talking about Twiggy? Twiggy. Yes. Twiggy. And on top of that, Mm -hmm. Truman Capote was pretty much BFF with Harper Lee, mm-hmm. who wrote To Kill a Mockingbird. And To Set a Watchman, yep. Right, I think, honestly, from what I've read or heard, I'm not sure if this is real or true, mm-hmm. I didn't really look into it, <laughs> but Harper Lee only wrote To Kill a Mockingbird, cause, because Go Set a Watchman didn't come out until really well, later. Yeah, it was really later, and that was actually supposed to be the prequel, and then To, to Kill a Mockingbird was supposed to come after it, to kind of show why right. it's, their relationship is this way or whatever. From what I remember. Because I remember reading To Set a Watchman. Right. I've read, I read it a while back, though, a long time ago. So Truman Capote was an openly gay man. Yeah. I would say. Yeah. I mean, as open as you could be then. Right. Like, he wasn't hiding it, but also he wasn't... Well, it was around that time, in yeah. the late 50s, early, early 60s, 60s, around that time that he was an adult. And because of this crime, I think, honestly, I think this book, In Cold Blood is more popular than Breakfast at Tiffany's and more popular than yeah. his other works, I'm assuming. I want to say this is probably one of his, but one of the more popular ones, yes. Right. In general, though, in Cold Blood, I'm going to talk about what it overall is real quick before mm-hmm. we dig deep into the details and also what in Cold Blood was when it first came out. Yeah. On November 15th, 1959, in a small town of Holcomb, Kansas, Four members of the Clutter family were savagely murdered by a blast from a shotgun held a few held a few inches from their faces. There was no apparent motive for the crime, and there were almost no clues. So this crime right now, the crime that we're talking about happened in 59, and I want to say that he read about it in like the New Yorker or something. Right, there he, was a, an he read article, an article about and it. And he became... And he became... Like I obsessed guess, with it, In fact, much. Yeah, just infatuated with this case. So he moved to Kansas. He moved to... Holcomb or anywhere around that. Garden City. Garden or City, like that. yeah. He moved around there and he lived there for six years and he wrote this book over a course of six years. So he talked to the townspeople in right. the town. He interviewed the suspects. He lived there, breathed there. He did. He saw, talked to a lot of the locals. A lot of, yeah, he saw things there. So this is really, he really saw it all. He wrote it on his account from that. Didn't Harper Lee go with him? She did him go with too? him. She did. She didn't she, live with him. I don't, I don't think, think she did. No, I, but she did go with him. Her, his pal, his childhood best friend. Yes. Okay. 
one thing you can definitely tell from this book is it's it's packed with research. He really, Absolutely. he from beginning to end, you know that this man went through the channels of getting all the information that he needed for this right. book. Like, it's but very I also, well. but I also thought that he embellished a there, little bit. I mean, I'm not saying I. It wasn't. It's not my opinion that he embellished. Mm-hmm. Even though there are some parts of the book that I feel, like, of course, he did for the for the sake of the mm-hmm. book itself. Mm-hmm. But I've read in I've read it too. Yeah. Whatever that. They felt that he embellished this and that. There was a, few, a couple of townspeople that were felt that him coming to write this book was making, just kind of making an open wound even worse. I see, yeah. Taking advantage of the situation there, that they felt that he was just doing it for his own, you know, money, right. popularity, whatever. I took it as it, it was his fascination with the crime itself, and mm-hmm. he really wanted to dig deep into, like, why, why? did this happen? Why did you why? kill this family? Why, yeah. Right. That's, that's when it boils down to it. We know we know who did it. We know when. Right. We know how. We just don't. The main part is we just don't understand the why. What well, compels a person to do this? That right. was really what comes down to it because they, this family was killed in cold blood. Correct. I think. Yeah. So because it was a robbery. Yes. But it then was. it escalated to something really brutal, mm-hmm. and that and that bridge of from the robbery to the brutality, like. Mm-hmm. How did it go from there to there? Mm-hmm. And what I loved about this was the fact that this was kind of birthed true crime mm-hmm. books and stories. Yeah. And I felt like we like right now we're doing our podcast and there's a lot of true crime podcasts out there, especially the ones that we really enjoyed. Mm-hmm. This is kind of like an investigative it, it could totally be a podcast show. Yep. You know, he, if he was oh, alive, yeah, you're like, right, you're right. he, he could, can totally do this. This could be a podcast easily. Like, he went there and he investigated. He talked it's to people. It's a lot like Serial. It's mm-hmm. a lot like... Um, oh, like Only Murders in the Building? Like that type? Just things like that. Yeah. yeah. I've been uh, watching it lately. That's my... <laughs> yeah, I love that show. But let's go ahead and get into this book. You know, guys, so starting off, warning. There will be some really heavy and themes in this in our discussion today, as well as language, violence. Yeah, there's there's a whole lot of not so good in this book. Right. Um, not so good in a way of, it's it's going to be for more sensitive listeners, I would suggest for you to skip this episode. Um, it's about a brutal it's crime. It's about a brutal crime. Yeah. I wouldn't, you know, and, you know, if you have any small children, I wouldn't listen to this around them. There will be spoilers because we're going to be talking about it the whole, the right, whole way the whole through. Book. The whole entire book. I mean, if you... If you Google about this crime or even about this book, you kind of know everything mm-hmm. already that we're going to talk about. Mm-hmm. We're also going to talk about if we like the book or we like certain part of this we book. We usually give you guys our opinion yeah. on it. I think I'm coming into this this episode really enjoying Truman Capote's writing, mm-hmm. but only certain parts of it. Like... <laughs> Bottom line, he's he's a good writer. Oh yeah, he's 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 actually. There's a reason why great. this book is still talk. We're still talking about it. Seventy years, almost seventy years now, is still being talked about. Is considered like the first true crime novel. There was a few others. Believe me, don't you know? Don't get me wrong, but this is like they're really it shot up straight. Like to this the one's top. shot up for a reason. You know, don't. Yeah, it's just p- merely our opinions on it. Okay, so we start the book. Meeting the Clutter family. Yes. The family that gets murdered mm-hmm. on that November 15th. Mm-hmm. And we right. get to know we get to know the dad. Herb. 
Herb. And pretty much like how he is as a businessman, how mm-hmm. he is as owning the farm and like his role in the they're in this a, small city. They're a well-to-do family. Like Absolutely. they're known. They're like they're the the town knows of them. Like they're the clutter family. They're very right. clean. It's you know, Herb Clutter, Bonnie Clutter, the Bonnie, mother. the wife, who they keep referring to her as the invalid. Yeah. Which I didn't like that at all. But I it's, it's a time that they wrote it's, this it's book. It's the 60s. So, this, so the crime happened in 59. Truman wrote this book, and it came out in 66. Yeah, just the words that they use, it wouldn't be a word that we use now. I just think that she would just... She was in mental institutions, I believe. She was at one in and out point. of them. Yeah. I read that perhaps she has postpartum depression that, that just kind of was really deep and she didn't really shift out of it. Because around that time, postpartum to me was probably not as highlighted or well-known oh, no. or researched to know. where they know something's going on with her mentally, but mm-hmm. they can't figure out or pull her out of it. Because she did have four children. And I think yes. each time she had a child, mm-hmm. it just got darker and darker yeah but then at the time when you're a woman you're oh she's just you know she's weak and she has to look upon her husband and anytime you're any sorts of hysterical oh you're just being a woman right you know they didn't chalk it up to like she's genuinely sick they're just like oh she's just being a woman having her spells they always call them the spells like she's under bonnie's that kind of bothered me yeah it's kind of very it's very dismissive yeah and she was a sick woman like she I'm sure she had postpartum, maybe some depression, I'm sure, of some right. sort. And I mean, her being yeah. this way has nothing to do with why she was murdered oh, no, or no, no. How, no. how they were murdered because they, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. It just shows Mr. Clutter taking extra care of her and of the kids. Right. Because they have two older children that don't live at home anymore. No, they they're already have their lives. It's Beverly and Eviana. Eviana, right. I believe that's the name. And yeah. one of them was about to get married. I think that's Beverly because Eviana, I believe, is the oldest who has a family. Right. Already. Right. So then the other two, the two younger children who also were the victims of the crime mm-hmm. were Nancy. Nancy, who was and 16, and Kenyon, who was 15. And Nancy was a very popular girl. Oh, yeah. Like, she was sweet, nice. Like, when you guys see Leave it to Beaver. Or, think of it that like, way. Or, yeah. like, Griffith. Like, it's very much that type. Like, poodle skirts. You know how men would wear suits all the damn time? Like, right. they wore suits everywhere. And they, <laughs> right. that's, this is what you're, this is what you, I'm picturing. Because right. I remember reading this first part when they talk about the Clutter family. I was in my head. I'm like, it's that 1950s, like move like that serial reel of like this is how a happy homemaker makes the 50s look like at her how she cleans her fridge yeah like pleasantville the yeah movie. <laughs> yes pleasantville yes very much like that yeah so you get to know this family quite mm-hmm. well they're very wholesome and once American the family. crime happens you don't really hear much about their family beyond that mm-hmm. which you don't feel you don't feel you're missing anything out occasionally they would mm. they would mention like, oh, this would have been Nancy's birthday yeah. or whatnot. Mm-hmm. Occasionally they'll mention it. Well, they'll mention their friends. Like, they talk about Nancy's boyfriend, Bobby. Yeah. She had her boyfriend, you know, that she's had for a few years at that point, And he was a suspect at one point. And Bobby just kind of like how he's dealing with her death. And Nancy was a really big animal lover. And she had a horse. And he goes to, like, take care of the horse. And it makes you, you know, and it, I felt some type of way because she was an animal lover. And she right. had a kitty cat. And I'm like, oh, she had a kitty cat too. I'm like, oh, yeah. Okay. So to me, this book, mm-hmm. it's two columns. 
It's two separate type of books,、mm-hmm. even though it goes obviously together. Hand in hand, yeah. The way I took this book was one side; it's all about characters,、mm-hmm. and Truman Capote goes deep into their character. Oh yeah. But I think it's like he interviews who they are, like he interviews what they think of the crime, what they think happened, like how do you feel about this and that. But they, he also goes into who they are, and that's to, that to me is what dragged the book. Like,、mm. ugh, I don't want to read four pages about the male the lady, post, the like the lady. post mistress lady. I didn't want to. I liked her. her and all, but I I don't need to know I about. Need to yeah. <laughs> I mean, I guess because he's talking about Holcomb. As a, as a character itself, right. So maybe, but ultimately, I was like, I don't need to know about the post lady, right?、To、maybe me, he was fascinated by her. I mean, we're still talking about her, so she might have been a care. But I mean, the fact that she did take up about four or five pages, and then her daughter talking about this and talking、right. about that, I'm just like,、uh, okay. Well, I, <laughs> I like that he's painting a picture of how people reacted to this crime. Yeah. yeah. And I like that you get a little bit of who they are.、Mm-hmm. I get that,、mm-hmm. and I appreciate that because sometimes some books, like why、well, mention these characters and I don't know, you don't like, hear about them. I don't hear about them, like throwaway characters, which is kind of silly.、Mm-hmm. But but this is a real. This is a nonfiction, so、right. those characters are real characters. They're not. Yeah, those are real people. I think maybe because I approach this book like I want to read about the crime,、mm-hmm. and I want to leave about. And I want to read about the psychology of the two killers.、Mm-hmm. So when it's pages after pages of about someone else, I'm just kind of like, come on, this is dragging a little bit here. Yeah, yeah. But even though I say it's dragging a little bit, it still was written well.、Mm-hmm. It was just a lot. Yeah, <laughs> it was a lot of extra people, and I'm like, why are we talking about them? Yeah, I felt that. But the postmistress lady, though, I there's one part that I really like. Really colorful. <laughs> that she. Because, because we meet the KBI, the Kansas Bureau of Investigation, like the detectives,、mm-hmm. and so anytime the main, like the main detective Dewey, Dewey, Dewey. A- Alan Dewey, Alan Dewey, yeah, right. Every time he like goes to their coffee shop, like the town's like cafe, cafe. they always all the all the citizens are like yelling, like, "Hey, have you done anything yet? Have you, Why haven't you arrested anybody? Yes,、yeah, we so, don't understand what's taking so long." So、yeah. one thing about the main lady, so no, sorry, not the postmistress. Like she's a this main lady, she's one of the she she owns the cafe, Mrs.、Oh, Hartman. Oh yeah, yeah. So yeah, she yeah. has this. Phrase this little thing that she says, and I thought was kind of very like nineteen sixties. Okay, she、that? yells to the like townspeople. She goes, "Hush your meanness!" <laughs> Every time somebody makes a comment, she's like, "Hush your meanness!" Like, don't bother him. Leave yeah, him alone. Hush your meanness. Yeah,、right? and I thought that was a that was kind of a fun phrase. <laughs> yeah. What is this, like the Midwest? Yeah. yeah. At one point, I think somebody from a different show or whatnot about this book. Referred to it as like the Bible Belt, the Bible Belt,、area. yes, the Bible、yeah. Belt, very much so. Oh, well, because they talk about churches being like every corner, right? Literally, like there's so much churches. It's the Methodist Church. Oh, and another thing,、um, Mr. Clutter even told Nancy that she needed to con- like reconsider her relationship with Bobby because we are Methodist and they are Catholic, and it just will never work. Wow. We've come a long way. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, that's what we're. That's where they were at, guys. This is the time. This is the thought process. Like that's who Mr. Clutter was, and people. A lot of people respected him for that, especially his workers, because he was fair. He paid you on time. And the one thing about Mr. Clutter that you have to remember is he never carried cash on him, 
ever. And that that was like a well known. That was a well known fact. Even his workers knew it. Everybody knew that he never killed. He always did everything in checks. Right. Everything in checks. You know, Miss. You know, we talked about Miss Bonnie. How she. You know, she had her spells, for lack of a better phrase, her spells. Um, Nancy was well like Kenyon was a really introverted kind of teenager. He like he was big for his age. Like I think he's fifteen, so he was just tall and just a big kid, like a sturdier kid, much like his father. And you know he's introverted. He just he didn't he wasn't really into girls at this time. Like he hadn't caught that yet. Like he liked to go hunting. He liked to go fishing. He right. was just he didn't really he was just kind of in his own head. Like they always say, like Ken, you need to get out of your own head. And he was known for his his glasses, his spectacles. They call them. He had these blacked like That's Buddy right. Holly glasses type. And they talk about his glasses a lot. Like in at one point in the book, a little bit later on, they I think it's the investigator or like a neighbor. You were telling me that they they go through the house and. They see his glasses and you start to think of like items that these people will never use. Like this is your own personal things and you need your glasses, but you don't need them anymore. Right. So I, yeah, that was really, I mean, the way he wrote that too, I was like, wow, that's. Truman Capote is very good about verbally painting. Yes. This, the situation verbally painting like the the aura of the mm-hmm. of the room or of like while the, oh, the man people are investigating. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Throughout this whole book, I can picture the house in my head. I can picture what Absolutely. everyone's wearing. I can picture what this is doing, what that's doing, the the smell, the the scenery. Everything is painted for me. He is Especially with the two killers. Like when, he writes it through yeah. you like you're walking through. Like you could because I went back and I looked. Like whenever he talks about in the book, I look to see what these people look like. And right, I mean me too. it wasn't that far like what I thought, what I got out of that and what they really look like was not off by much. And I'm just like, wow, like because every time when I read a book I can never like what I think I see and then what they actually look like is never the correct right. way. But with this one, the fact that it was so close, I was like, wow, he even got it to me. And I'm not good at that at all. <laughs> you know, because they talk about people being square jawed. In my head, I'm like, okay, yeah, like, wait, what does right. that mean? Yeah, right. you know. Well, that's why it's exciting to see a book comes alive with a movie. Mm-hmm. And of course, a lot of people hate the movie versions of the book, especially a book that you love. Yeah. You know, but like we saw Crawdads and. Mm-hmm. When you finally see it in motion, <laughs> yeah. you just just as fascinated. Mm-hmm. My favorite one, of course, overall, is when I saw the first Harry Potter movie mm-hmm. because I read that book more than once, and I had all these things in my head. And because it's also a fantasy book, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So it's not like you're imagining a regular bedroom, blah blah blah. blah. So when I saw that come to life it was just so good it was so amazing you you feel like the stillness in the air how hot it is right and like a small time like a small town feel as well how flat it is you know if you've never been to kansas you know he tells you and that's pretty much what it looks like you know okay so in the meantime we also meet the two the two killers spoiler alert the two right so we meet perry smith Mm -hmm. and dick hitchcock hitchcock right yeah the way he tells us the relationship between the two and mm-hmm. how they are was an interesting read for me because mm-hmm. you can clearly see the difference between the two personalities. Because yeah. sometimes things like this, you kind of, I can get kind of confused between the two. You know, not with this book. Oh no, this no. book is so easy to they distinguish. They are very distinct. You know who's who. When Truman was writing this, he wrote with both of the killers he wrote with with dick and he wrote with perry because he talked to both of he them. talked to both of them and perry seemed to be the one who talked with him more he got more information he spoke he had more of a rapport with perry versus dick 
And you'll see that in the book that there's a lot more information about Perry. You know about Perry's childhood, which was right. a very abusive, neglectful childhood that he had with his parents. Um, you know that his failed relationships, his stint in army in the military, he was in Korea. You know about all those things. And I think with that, with the way he writes Perry, you almost almost now not completely like you feel that sense of you know sympathize with like you feel sympathy for perry almost not not fully i didn't but you can feel that that's the way he that's how i felt like he wrote it like he wanted you to kind of see like he was a sympathetic character right like as in yeah as in this is what happened to him in his life that lead up to this moment mm-hmm. and this is the reason why yeah he did what he did mm-hmm. but i feel like there's an underlying part of Perry like he's a gay man you think I think he was a gay man even though he's you I know, know I I think so because the way he talked about Willie J oh because because Perry and Dick met in prison yes they were both in prison at the and time serving when, three to fives right and then when he was getting out he was hoping to meet up with like a former cellmate there Willie was a J former cellmate something. Willie J that he like idolized and I think right. he idolized Willie J because it reminded him a lot of his father but see i i took it as i took it as he's maybe a closeted gay man and around that time period he couldn't be out or whatnot i i don't know maybe man yeah a little bit i did felt that if perry met up with willie j instead of with dick this would never happen then this murder would not have happened Mm -hmm. ultimately these two guys you read about how they're kind of drifters yeah they are and and their crimes before this point were pet like Petty yeah. crimes, quote unquote, petty crimes. They wrote hot checks. They or wrote Dick hot, definitely wrote De- hot Dick checks. Dick wrote hot checks. Um, they stole. They stole. Like Perry was in for B and E. Was it breaking and entering right. with somebody? They weren't murder or yeah. rape. They were in there for forgeries. They were liars and they, they were liars and thieves. Right. Essentially, that's what they were. They were liars and thieves. And that's also compelling because how does it get to that? How does it? How do you go from? 30 to 100. Right. To me, the interesting part is after the murder, mm-hmm. they went right back to what you, they were doing. Yeah. It wasn't like, oh, now that we've gone this far in a crime, we murdered four people. Now they feel invincible. Yeah. It was like, it wasn't that way to me. It was, they went back to being petty thieves. Yeah. They went back to hitchhiking or well, they went to Mexico. They went everywhere. Like they went on a whole cross country situation. They even right. went back to Kansas right. at one point during their after the fact. But to me, it was as if the killing a clutter family was just another mark on their list of what to do as far as as far as they're not even measuring the severity of what they did. Mm-hmm. You know, they put that on the same playing field as oh i wrote a 30 dollar check that's going to bounce yeah and i thought that was really crazy like these guys are that messed up that's what makes the story so because it was so strange it was so senseless and strange and everything kind of fell into place for this to happen and i don't like all the pegs worked out all the it's just so happening because you know, they, they went back. Like, whenever it happened, they, like, left, and then they came back. Like, mm-hmm. they had a time where they, they could have easily, like, went went in a different direction. Like, hey, let's not do this. Let's go, man. We can't, right. you know. But they didn't. They, you know, in the chance meeting, you said, Willie J, like, you know, he would have went off with Willie J. He wouldn't have t- given two shits about Dick. 
Right. You know, it's so matter of factly. Mm -hmm. And which reminds me of the part where they were hitchhiking. Mm hmm. And they talked about how they're like, all right, we're going to find a guy that picks oh, us yeah, up picks and we're just up. going to rob him and then we're going to get rid of him. Yeah, we're going to we're going to rob him. We're going to kill him. We're going to get rid of him in the desert. And Dick was going to say like a like a phrase to kind of. Hey, hey, can you get what is it? Hey, do you have a match? Something about matches. Like, yeah. Hey, do you have a match? But it was so matter of factly like, hey, we're just going to do this so we can just get a car and move on mm-hmm. to do the next little petty crime. Like it didn't. It didn't have any sort of level of like this is worse than this. It was mm-hmm. just whatever they were gonna do, they were just gonna do. There was no consequences as no, far. No, they were just sociopaths. As, both of right. Them, yeah. And I thought it was kind of interesting when occasionally Perry will read like a newspaper article mm-hmm. and it would mention about the Clutter family murder, and he's just kind of like, huh. You know, and Dick would just be like, we're, not, we're going to get away with everything. There's Dick no was way. a cocky son of a bitch. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and the way, like I said, Truman did write Perry in a more sympathetic light versus Dick. Because this whole book, you hate Dick. Don't get me wrong, you hate both of them. Right. But, like, the way Truman tells you about his backstory, the way he tells you about certain things, the way he writes it up leading up to the reveals of what's going on, it's not so much of a sympathy, it's like... You're this way, but why would you do it? Like, what, what, what was it? Like, what was it that drove you to do this? Like, right. When? And the fact that both guys are so different from each other, yeah, yeah. But yet they somehow have this bond between them. Mm-hmm. So maybe it's their need to survive and just kind of go through all these petty crimes, mm-hmm. and they're both willing to do these petty crimes. But they are so different from each other mm-hmm. to where, well, yeah. Why did they both do it? It's a it's a what's it symbiotic relationship or what is it called? Yeah, yeah. like because Dick needs some because Dick is a blowhard. He's right. a blowhard. He's he's just obnoxious. He's obnoxious. He's a, he's like a bragger. Said. Like he doesn't, but he doesn't really do it. It's Perry that's the doer. But right. Perry needs somebody to be like his jumping off point to tell him, "Hey, do that." Okay. He doesn't like think on his own of, "Hey, I need to do this," or "Hey," right. because anytime. Perry talks about his life or what. Yeah, I never had the chance to do this. I never could do this. I could never do this. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's always because no one told him or no one let him. He never did anything on his own accord yeah. up until this point, until Absolutely. this point of the murder. And Dick, on the other hand, he always had like his parents kind of raised him on this. What I thought when they talk with his folks, like the sense of entitlement, right. like they put him on such a pedestal, like nothing was ever Dick's fault. Right. Dick when Dick went to jail, mm-hmm. they talked about mm-hmm. how his parents made sure that he didn't get in trouble mm-hmm. beyond that. Yeah. Like, do do your time, and then you're gonna come back, and we'll we'll figure yeah, something like, else worry, out. It was always his his wife. His second wife was this, or Perry made him do this this business about this, and it was always it was never Dick's fault for anything that Dick did. Even in their own home, like they wouldn't dare like bother him right. in any kind of a way. And I just That's felt like making a monster. You right made there. a monster. Essentially, is what Pretty you much. did unknowingly. Yeah, you you created a sociopath, and it's it's that what is it nature and nurture kind of thing right. with them. And with Perry, it's just he just had a really shitty He's upbringing. Nature versus Dick is definitely yeah. nurture. That's what I think. Yeah, that's what I felt in that. And I'm just like, wow, this is. It's this heavy. Is yeah, it's it's a heavy book. It really is, and I think that's probably why I'm because I'm not I'm my my thing when I read is I'm I'm not really into the heavy heavy themes of things, especially when it comes to this level of, right. you know. So kind of reading it, I was a little bit like, oh, I don't think it was that the book was bad or that it wasn't written well or didn't flow. It's just my dread 
of knowing that that part is coming and I just don't want to read it or see it. Well, going back between Perry and Dick, it Mm -hmm. reminds me of the movie Murder by Numbers. I don't know if you've seen that movie Mm -hmm. or you've heard of it, but it has like Ryan Gosling, has Sandra Bullock, and there's another guy. Sorry, I forgot his name. But generally, real quick, it's these two kids in high school and... The one of them is very popular. He's a lot of talk, so he's the dick in this in mm-hmm. the movie, and he he just wants to see what it feels like to kidnap and kill somebody. So then he kind of targets his other guy, who is all dark, and the the dick one manipulates the Perry one. So when they actually do the crime, the one that who emulates Dick, he he just a lot of talk, but he he doesn't really do it. He doesn't actually want to kill the woman or and then so he taunts the other guy like, mm-hmm. well, you don't think I could do it? Or he'll be like, well, I'm not I'm not going to do it. I mean, if you were going to do it, then that definitely prove and show that you're a man. You know, it's a lot of manipulation. Mm-hmm. And that's why the relationship between Perry and Dick is really, really interesting to me. And I think Truman Capote really wants to show their relationship. Mm-hmm. I mean, like you said, he talked to Perry a lot more because yeah. he did talk to both of them mm-hmm. before what happened to him at the yeah. very end. Yeah. But I feel like because I think Perry was a gay man, Truman Capote, who was an openly gay man, he kind of... Like a kindred spirit. Yeah, there's yeah. something of, like, we obviously grew up differently, but we're both gay men and the men... 60s or whatnot, mm-hmm. but this is your fate versus my fate kind of thing. Maybe. But anyway, I really want to shift toward the KBI, the the police, okay, the the <laughs> investigators, because we get to know the main guy, Alan Dewey. Mm-hmm. We actually also get to know his family life, yeah, which was really interesting. Of course, this is a whole thing again with Truman Capote putting putting yeah. more information of the characters than just what I the did crime like the is scenes with his family though like i did too because he was just happy to be home like he was like this case made him love his family even more right and you felt that when he wrote it he brought yeah he brought his work home yeah so his wife was very like she was freaked out yeah, yeah. absolutely well much her and like the whole town like they all like this like everyone put locks on their doors people started distrusting their neighbors like this had a, a, a very like shadowing ambiance on this whole place like it truly changed everything for these people they never thought the right. same way like it truly shook and they have a young town. son yes. who was also scared mm-hmm. they, they were and he was like you know daddy's gonna make sure that they never do this again i remember that line i love the part where when they finally found the two guys mm-hmm. perry and dick but we'll go back to how they got to that but just real quick with the detective Dewey, when he was so happy when he got that phone call mm-hmm. that they have found the two guys who were in Vegas mm-hmm. while these guys are in Kansas, and he was just he was so giddy and so excited. And you, mm-hmm. by reading that part the way Capote did it, you feel that like yeah. relief and excitement. Yeah, I thought like, that was really well written. Yeah, like that really wet rush of relief kind of thing. Right. Over you. And I love how whenever he goes and visits the parents when he talks with them and he talks about how like his parents kept giving him information and it kept like lining up and making sense. And he said that his hands were shaking. Right. He he couldn't keep his notepad straight because he was so excited. Like, oh 
my God, it's them. This is it's it. them. They yeah, are like definitely you can, the like you perpetrators. Could feel it. And you could see dude with like a hat on, his glasses, and like a trench coat in the fifties, like smoking a cigar. I'm pretty sure, just like just going to town on this right. thing. So I, that's what I imagine. So mm-hmm. I thought of the movie Catch Me If You Can. Yes. With Tom Hanks mm-hmm. being part of the FBI chasing Leonardo DiCaprio. Mm-hmm. So the FBI You just part, wanted to do a Leo reference, right? that's all. <laughs> but that's how I imagine yeah. how these guys were tracking down Perry and Dick, mm-hmm. you know, across state lines. And when they finally got to him to arrest him in Vegas. Oh, you were cheering him on in the book. You were, you were like... Absolutely. Oh, yeah. And... And the fact that they drove Perry and Dick back to Kansas separately, and during that whole time is when we we find out what really happened. What really happened? We're gonna go back a little bit. The police, you have to figure out what happened. Like, what was the pin? Like, what pinned them to this? Right. All right. So it all started with there was a man in prison. There was a prisoner by the name of Floyd Wells. All right. He had read an article or got a. Saw someone... T- what did he do? He read an article? Yeah, just about the Clutter family he, murder. Yeah, he read an article about a, the Clutter family murder. Floyd Wells happened to work for the Clutters. At one point. He worked for Mr. Clutter. He's in prison at, at this point. At one point, yeah. He's like, oh, crap. Like, that's his former... And he liked the guy. He talks about how he liked him. He was a decent man. And he read about this. And he remembers talking to a certain cellmate of his about Mr. Clutter. And that cellmate was none other than Dick Hitch- Hitchcock. Right. They were cellmates. And he told Dick about that. They got to the talking about former employers. And he was telling about Mr. Clutter and how Mr. Clutter had like. Had a safe. Had a safe. $10,000. $10,000 in the safe. Which, of course, Dick like perked up like, oh, wait, wait, wait now. He has what now? Right. And after that, he said that he would never leave Floyd alone. Like he wanted to know all the information he could about the Clutters, where they lived, how you got to their house, how many people were in the house the ages, names, all these things about this family. And Floyd was like, okay, that's really weird, dude. Like, what's what's your deal? Right. And Floyd never really put two and two together. He never really thought that Dick would do it because, number one, Dick's a blowhard. And number two, he's like, he talks it up to when you're in prison, you always talk about what you're going to do afterwards. Right. You always, everybody, that's the one thing you talk about. It's like, what you're going to do when you get out of here. And a lot of guys talk about big scores that they're going to do with this and this and this when they get out, or they're going to rob this place, or they're going to do this. And he just chalked it up to talk. He never really thought that. Which who Dick is. He's yeah, a lot of talk. He's a lot of talk. And people know this. Like when you, it's known that when you talk to him, you get that feeling. You, right. Everybody knows that guy that you're like, oh yeah, whatever, shut up. And that's what he thought. And you know, when he talked to, when he talked to the investigators about this, he just kind of felt, he felt bad. He's like, had I never said anything, I would have, I pretty much put this family to death. You know, I, I didn't, I didn't know. He goes, it was talk. And you could tell that he, Floyd was just truly like distraught and just really upset. He's like, I, di- I didn't know. And he even said, he was like, so he was such a good, he was a good man. He was a good man to me. And I didn't know that he, he there, this is what was ultimately going to happen to this family. All right. And it was, it was really sad, like, when you read about that. So that's how they got the names of Dick. And Perry. And Perry. You know, Dick said he was going to take his friend Perry, and they were going to, like, do all these robberies or whatever they were going to do. And that's where the police first got their two names. And that from there, that's when they started interviewing family members. That's right. when we meet Dick's parents. That's where we talk to Perry's sister, who ultimately has, like, a really deep resentment for for Perry, Right. You know, for reasons from, you know, how they grew up and, and just in general. But that for, part was so long in the book. It was long. 
Oh, you talk like, about ugh. Perry's upbringing. You talk about the abuse that he's shared. You talk about his his relationship with his father. But I but I think he you needed to see the relationship with his father so you would understand why where why Perry does what he does. His attachment right. with Willie J. His attachment to Dick. He always needs to have that other male figure with him to tell him what to do. That's right. how I took it. Just like he always said his father, that's all his father did was tell him what to do. Right. I feel like if he had found somebody else that's not, mm-hmm. that doesn't do like a life of crime, yeah. then he would just be attached to that person. There you go. Yeah. I don't think he was the type of person that I don't care about hurting people. It's mm-hmm. whoever he's with that influences him. It's logical him. to him, yeah. Yeah, which unfortunately, this is the crime, mm-hmm. which brings us to when the detectives drive the two guys back to Kansas. And this is a part where Perry pretty much tells the detectives everything that happened in that, that evening. in that house and that mm-hmm. uh, what happened with the Clutter family. Mm-hmm. And occasionally then throughout this time you would read that oh and Dick's version is almost similar. Yeah. But I felt like Truman Capote wrote it in a way that he kind of sensationalized it a little bit. Mm-hmm. Because the part that we're reading here is them driving him back to Kansas. So I don't know what account Truman Capote got it from. Is it from Perry telling Truman, like, oh, I told the detectives this is what happened. But I feel like because Perry was really getting close to Truman, like they have some sort of bond, that Perry kind of told it that he it makes himself look better. Perry has very low self-confidence, right? So that's why he likes to stick with Dick. Kind of like an yeah. alpha. Yeah, yeah, like Dick's the alpha, mm-hmm. and then Perry just kind of follows whatever. So while Perry is telling Truman Capote about, oh, let me tell you what happened, he's kind of painting a picture that is favorable to him. Yeah. Because Dick was like, uh, Perry killed everybody. He was the one that that shot all four family members. Mm-hmm. And Perry's like, well, it didn't go that way. Dick yep. killed the two women. Yeah. Huge part of this whole mm-hmm. read is about Dick. Dick is a pedophile, we learn. And, oh, it's so disgusting. Yeah. Ugh, hurts my stomach. Um, we learn that Dick is a pedophile, and Perry kind of figures it out when he sees things that Dick does. Right. How much special attention he pays to younger girls and the comments, and especially the comments that he makes in this house Ugh. about Nancy, right. of course. And he was he stuck up for Nancy. Like, he made sure that Nancy didn't get touched. Like, he went out of his way to make sure that Dick was with him when he did certain things in the house, just so that he would leave Nancy alone. Right. And then because was, we learned that Dick was married twice. Yeah. And both of his wives were 16-year-old girls. Yeah, and at one point he was 19, and then with the second one he was... He was older. He was older. Yeah. I don't know how much older, but he was older. I think three or four years beyond that. So maybe he yeah. was like 23, 24. Oh, yeah. And his second wife was, was 16. 16. We might be wrong, but that, I think uh, that's what remem- I remember. The first one, the first one he was, she was 16, he was 19. And they talk about how it was like, oh, that's, you know. And then the second wife, they say she was still 16, but he was, they don't ever say how old he was. Right. So I'm assuming he's quite a bit older. Okay, so they pretty much got confession of these two guys. Mm -hmm. And the way Truman Capote wrote it, it was like, oh, this is what happened. I told him this, or I told him that. It was very decided. Yeah, it wasn't like, I didn't want to do this, but I felt pressured, or 
or that's you the know, whole, they kept saying no witnesses. That and was the whole theme of the book. Yeah, yeah they did. It was it. so nonchalant, very mm-hmm. matter of factly. Yeah. You know, we wrote a bad check. Oh, we killed these four people. Oh, and then we we pawned this thing. Oki was saying they were in the car. They're telling the detectives about the crimes. You hear from Perry that you know Dick killed these two, and then Dick is saying no, Perry killed all four. Right. You know, they write letters to psychologists because people are trying to figure out what's going on with these two. Like, what's the deal with, why did you do what you did? Do You can kind of surmise with yourself. Like, did they do it because, they did it because they were robbing these people. They thought they were going to get $10,000. And they only uh, ended up getting, what, Kenyon's $37 radio? $37. And $37 in Kenyon's radio. Like, right. his little handheld radio thing. That's all they got. And it's like these four people lost their lives over $37. And a radio. And a silver radio. Yeah. That's, it's really sad. It's really sad. And that's the part you're just like, what the? And then you find out later on that Perry ends up killing all four. It also made me think, too, like, Perry's is really, why would he go along with this, like, to this point? Like, he's all, he's trying to help Nancy. Like, he doesn't want Nancy to be disturbed. But yet they're killing the way they're killing. And then you think, why would they do this? Obviously, because Dick is in this area and he's right. the, no witnesses. But Perry, I think, is it jealousy? Is it because he wants to leave no witnesses, much like Dick? Like, right. was he having an anger episode? Like, what's the deal with, with all of this? Like, it was okay to murder these people, but mm-hmm. it wasn't okay for Dick to want to rape Nancy. And he said it himself. And there was no, there was no sexual No, they never did crimes. find sexual assault. And, yeah. and he was like, because I can't stand that people can't control their sexual urges. Right. That's what he says. With also kind of lends hat to what you're saying. Like, maybe he is a right. gay man, and he just never came to terms with it. Because murdering these guys was like a power and to oh, me, trying yeah. to show Dick that mm-hmm. I know you're a lot of talk and you think I'm the weaker of the two of us. Mm-hmm. It's all about control. It's about control and power. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't matter anymore about the sexual part or this and that. Of course, they went there to rob thinking that they had $10,000 $10, to take with them in the safe, which didn't, they didn't. The Clutter family didn't have that, apparently. Mm-hmm. Because then and, it, and it's a known fact that Clutter never carried that money. Right. But then it kind of turned to this is now about power. And I think that's why we get a lot more of Perry's narrative mm-hmm. of what happened. Mm-hmm. Besides the fact that there was a bigger bond between Truman Capote and Perry. Mm-hmm. Besides that, but we get more of that narrative. Yeah. Because Perry, at this point, wants to be as equal as Dick as mm-hmm. far as as his pride or just showing this off, that off. Mm-hmm. But all in all, these two guys were convicted. They were convicted and they, they were, were sentenced to death. Yeah. Right. They were both hung, yes. On the same day too, at, in 66. Right. 66, 65 or 60, 66, I believe. And um, Truman Capote actually attended their hangings, which he did go to Dick's, but he couldn't stay for Perry's. Well, because they have he that. He had that bond, bond, so he never it's like, did see like Perry. Truman felt sorry for him. I think... Like, you grew yeah. up with this this really abusive life that you had, and mm-hmm. perhaps there was an understanding that between the two of them that Perry was a gay man to me, mm. you know, and he probably struggled Your with opinion, that. Your opinion, yeah. And... Maybe so. I mean... He that would make sense when he make when he talks about sex the way he does. Right, it made sense. Like they go and they see, you know, like they went to hookers in Mexico. Right, but yeah. Dick talks about it like it's such a grand thing. But that's just how Dick is, and then right. Perry tends to be more quiet about his. Necessarily, if he just doesn't like talking about it, or because he's doing right. it just for the sake of I w- appearances. 
I also want to mention real quick, I forgot about this little part in the book. At the beginning, when Perry meets up with Dick and, you know, before there's a spree of ridiculousness of all these petty Gosh. crimes that we're going to do, like, they went to a few places to get black stockings because oh, they, yeah. they knew yeah. that they wanted to go to the Clutter family and mm-hmm. rob. But the fact that Dick was very articulate about it, it has to be this way, it has to be this way, it has to be all black, it has to be a certain look in order for us to to get this through it's almost kind of ridiculous how mm-hmm. obsessed he was with that like at one point i think they went to a hospital like a nunnery like let's go ask his nuns if they have black stock i think ultimately he was doing that so he wouldn't oh they didn't have the right thing so we can't go ask when he does go there and he's like did they have them and dick's like no and they're like he's like really they didn't have them and he's like, well, it didn't look like they had him because right. Dick never they, had the balls to, to really, do anything. To really see it through. No, he never He's a did. lot of talk. He's a lot of talk. Yep. So ultimately with this book, it was a terrible crime that was committed by these two evil, awful people. Whether you sympathize with them or not or whether Truman Capote sympathized with them or not, we don't know. We certainly don't sympathize with either one of them. I mean, I, you know, I'm, I can't say whether or not I believe in capital punishment that's not a that's not a topic that i want to discuss on this podcast right. you know with your own your own politics ultimately what you don't want to lose in this book is the the family this was a wonderful beautiful family that was just living their lives and they got killed in such an awful horrible way right. for and really a, dismissive of dismissive them. of them and it's sad right. it's sad you know and we don't want to give any more credence to the killers or Right, it does sensationalize the crime itself, Mm -hmm. but I did appreciate reading about like the detectives Mm -hmm. because you get to read about their emotional up and down too when they feel like they're almost there or when they feel like, oh, I got this guy. And so I do appreciate reading those parts. Yeah, they did it to get justice for this family, this clutter family, but they also did for their own families, for their own family's peace of mind so they can feel safe once again. Or go back to as safe as they could possibly feel after this point. Right. So overall, I th- I thought it was a good. I mean, I had it had some po- some parts of it that I was just like, all right, you know, let's. I don't. It had some dragging. It part, had some dragging sure. parts, and I, you know, and of course, I didn't want to read about this and that and just some really stronger themes that I'm used to. But I mean, it was well written. It's a. This is a good book. It's a good book. You just have, to, have to do it. You have to grit through some yes, part. And I'm not talking yeah. about the really criminal or scary part. It's Ugh. just a bunch of extra information of, of the people that you just have to grit through. Because I feel like sometimes he's, he's, I just want to give up. Yeah, he's painting a picture for you so you can better understand Absolutely. the situation at hand. And these are the kind of people that they dealt with. Right. And, the, and the reason is because his family was so well-loved. They were so well-known. And it just, it hit. Like I said, this, like, I think they even said now to this day, like, the town still has that, that, right. or, that aura, that overcast of whatever. Kind of a little bit morbid. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And I think the book worked so well because it was very, like, ahead of its time kind yes, of thing. Yes, yes, It catapulted a whole new genre, as in, you know, for books. Yep. Which we definitely appreciate. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, so it is, you know, you do see there is a few, there's like, I think there was a miniseries done on this story. There was a movie done about right. this story. The movie was actually a 1967 movie mm-hmm. directed by Richard Brooks. Mm-hmm. And there was also a documentary on the case. It's called Cold-Blooded. Yeah. The Family Murders by Joe Berlinger. Well, that concludes our discussion 
of In Cold Blood mm-hmm. by Truman Capote, which was Caddy's classic pick. Mm-hmm. I had a lot of fun actually talking about this. I'm not saying the crime was a lot of fun, but it's just so interesting how it was really dug deep in by Truman because it's it's, it's a like, true story, but it is a fiction mm-hmm. book, though you know, because yeah. it's not it's not like a like a tell all or it's no, not a it's not a memoir. It's not a memoir exactly. Yeah. So it's really it's a it's a, a different approach. It's a different book than what we're used to doing for sure. Too. Yeah. I'm actually kind of ready to get out of true crime for a moment. No, yeah. because our next read is also a true, true crime. crime. Yes. I thought about that, though. Uh-huh. I was like, we're going to be pretty heavy with In Cold Blood. So <laughs> because the next book is my pick. And I was mm. like, do I want to do a mystery thriller? My check in was a true crime book. And I'm like, this is a true crime book. And I'm oh, like, yeah. and you picked a true crime. I was like, oh, I got to read some like something really. I got to read some like Disney in between or something <laughs> like something. I'll be fine, guys. I'm kidding. So our next read is my pick, like I said. But we are reading Hidden Pictures by Jason Rekulak. Mm -hmm. It's a very popular book that just kind of blew up all of a sudden. But it looks looks really cool. I mean, the cover looks cool. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, it looks real neat. You know, before we leave you, you know, I know you guys stop crying. Stop crying. We'll be back, I promise. We just want you guys to, if you can, review and rate us on iTunes or wherever you're listening to. Wherever. You know, just let us know what you think. If you you love us or you hate us, you know. Or email us. Just let us know what you're thinking. You know, that'd be beneficial so we know maybe some pointers. You know, you never know. Right. Okay, and that's it. We'll see you guys next time. Bye. Bye. This was going to be Books, Cats, and Pancakes. Pancakes, flapjacks with a little bit of syrup. There you go.